This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of the Naz and Wally Sports Hour, heard Sunday mornings at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of the Naz and Wally Sports Hour, heard Sunday mornings at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. The Naz and Wally Sports Hour is a paid program. Opinions expressed on the show are those of Naz and Wally and their guests. The world doesn't need another sports show. It needs an awesome sports show. You're listening to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Good morning, Naz. Good morning, Wally. Neil, the boys are back. Let's talk sports. Good morning and welcome to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. Once again, live from Liberty Village in downtown Toronto on the new AM740 radio. With me this morning, as usual, my co-host, Naz Marchese. Good morning, Naz. Good morning, Wally. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. And with us in studio today, back from his... uh, his England sojourn is our roving reporter and pundit, Mark Kennedy. Good morning, Mark. Good morning. Anyways, uh, uh, an, a huge story in Toronto uh, sports circles this week. Uh, at, at times unexpected, but uh, according to you, Naz, the story's been buzzing for a while. Uh, the departure or the imminent departure of Tim Lewicki uh, from MLSE. Certainly caught a few people off guard. First, it was uh, Elliot Friedman broke the story, and it was denied as long as he could deny it, and then they had to go public with it. And uh, a little bit of a shocking uh, departure, but uh, now you tell me it's not so shocking. No, this has been rumored for about three or four months. A couple of the uh, other radio stations uh, had it that uh, Lewicki wasn't happy here and uh, it seemed like he yeah, wasn't getting along with the, uh, the two main partners in uh, Rogers and uh, Bell. And uh, that uh, he didn't, uh, his uh, family didn't like it here also, and that he would be mo- moving on, and it happened. Um, it had been rumored for a while, though. Uh, interestingly enough, uh, Lewicki had a five-year contract, I-, I believe, and was only in- into it for 14 months, and that's what I, I found kind of surprising. Uh, obviously, in the public announcements, everybody took the high road. Uh, everybody spoke about his accomplishments here. Uh, people at MLSC uh, were uh, congratulated him on, uh, on on the good work that he had done here, and there were some good things that he had done. But uh, brought in Nujiri as the as the Raptor GM. They talk about the practice facility that they're building for the Raptors. Of course, for me and Mark, maybe you can comment on this. Uh, his big accomplishment uh, was uh, turning Toronto FC around. Uh, he certainly had a he certainly had a vision for Toronto FC. Toronto FC not. Uh, not not in the same league as the sorry to say this mark raptors or or leafs but uh certainly had a vision for that team and put his stamp on that team very very quickly the the timing of his arrival was perfect for the soccer fan because it was off season for hockey and basketball and so it seemed as if he was uh focused mostly on Toronto FC last summer i think he arrived last june um, and then that seemed to build up to the off-season acquisitions of Bradley and Defoe, also bringing in Tim Bespachenko, the, the new general manager. Um, so he really did get things going there first. Um, 
looking at the big picture, I'm pretty happy with what he's done with basketball, but I'd leave it up to you guys to uh, to to talk about maybe the hockey side. And we're certainly going to talk about that, but I do want to tell our listeners that we have on the show today uh, really, really uh, um, legend of the game, Naz, Marv Levy. Marv Levy, coach of the Buffalo Bills, the Montreal Alouettes. He'll be on shortly after our first break in about 10 minutes, and we're certainly looking forward to that. Hall of Famer, uh, Pro Football Hall of Fame down in Canton, and uh, we're really looking forward to uh, to having him. A lot to talk about. Uh, and uh, further down in the hour, Tim Raines, uh, former Montreal Expo, um, not uh, not in the Baseball Hall of Fame. And uh, Mark, you and I have had discussions about Hall of Fame. We can potentially carry that one on. So I just want to tell our listeners, we've got some great guests coming on today. Marv Levy, one of the one of the best. Uh, coaches of all time, uh, Buffalo Bill. I know you're a huge Buffalo Bill fan, Naz, as, huge as am Buffalo I. Buffalo Bills fan. And, huge uh, Marv Levy fan, too. And a uh, huge Marv Levy fan. It would be really interesting to talk about a gentleman who's as respected as anybody who's ever been in the uh, NFL game. Lewicki, the Wiki the story I found, um, and I don't think the whole story's come out yet because I think there's more to this than meets the eye. And, I, and I'm speculating here, but... Um, it comes down to this Roger Bell alliance. Uh, Rogers, uh, obviously the cable company, Bell, the telephone company. But nowadays they do everything. They do everything what the other guy does. So they're mortal enemies in the in the in the telecommunications business, and I guess also in the sports business. And um, I've I've never understood how that potential partnership was going to work in the long run, given their competitive uh, uh, issues, competition issues. And um, certainly now that Rogers has, uh, Sportsnet has all the, all the media rights and TV rights for the NHL, I don't know how it makes sense for Bell to hang in as the partner. And maybe that's got something to do with that. Uh, certainly seems like Lewicki had some issues with the board. Yeah, I think Lewicki did have some issues with the board. Uh, I also think that uh, his family didn't like it here, and that was that came out. Um, when you say didn't like it here, what what does that mean? Uh, didn't want to be here. Maybe. Didn't like the climate. Didn't like the. I mean, they, they were coming from uh, uh, L.A. and well, New York is somewhat our climate too. But uh, the family liked those cities better, and uh, that's uh, that was a reason given by Lewicki. But. We've got to look at a successor here. Who's going to succeed Lewicki in this? Because, you know, we have a hockey team. We have a basketball team and a soccer team to worry about here, right? The condos that they own are in that business. They, they, they stand alone, I'm sure. But the, the sports business has to be attended. And who's going to take over this, uh, this organization? Well, a few names have been bandied about. The name Mark uh, Cohan. Um has come to the surface. There's that gentleman out, uh, you know, a couple of uh, gentlemen working in some of the sports conglomerates down in the States. I can't remember the gentleman's name. I believe he's working for the Golden State Warriors. Uh, uh, that name's been bandied about. But uh, what you need in Toronto, what I thought what I thought interesting with Lewicki was he was, he was brash, he was loud, uh, but he, he, he made things happen. And unfortunately, he was only here for 14 months. It would have been nice to have seen him here for five years because I think he would have turned. I mean, he turned the corner on some of these 
uh, Leafs and Raptors issues, but to me, it just it just just feels like unfinished business. It's an unfortunate. Uh, I think he would have been instrumental in bringing Steve Stamkos to the Leafs to Mike Bob Mike Babcock. We talked about that. Lewicki had big vision. He's a big idea type of man, and hopefully. It's going to be difficult to find somebody to replace him with those types of things. Anyways, uh, it's time to go to our break. When we come back from the break, Marv Levy, Pro Football Hall of Famer. It was a rainy day in Pizzaville when my wife accused me of having an affair. How could I tell her that I was hopelessly in love with extra thin crust pizza from Pizzaville? I didn't ask for this to happen. It was so thin, so delicate, so delicious. I can't bear to share it with my wife. She wants me to see a counsellor, but I don't want to share it with him either. Call Pizzaville for an extra thin crust pizza at 736-3636. There's an old saying, entrepreneurship doesn't build character, it reveals character. Entrepreneurs learn to trust a person by trusting people. The law firm Rigabon Carly understands this. They know all about entrepreneurs because they work for them. Every day, they've earned their trust. They know that when it comes to meeting the legal and business needs of entrepreneurs, good enough is not enough. Rigabon Carly, the intelligent choice. Steel's Paint in Woodbridge, an enormous 20,000-square-foot superstore that carries nothing but the best. Superior staff, superior advice, superior selection, superior everything. When you have a really tough job to do, they can knock it down to size. They'll show you how to get it done right, and because they only sell the best of everything, you'll get it done to last. That means superior satisfaction. Steel's Paint, 4190 Steel's Avenue West in Woodbridge. The best. At Titanium Logistics, we believe that choosing the right shipping company comes down to two issues, price and cost. Most prices are competitive, will likely save you money too, but the cost of choosing the wrong company to service your cross-border freight to and from the U.S. and Mexico can be extraordinary. If it's not where it should be, when it should be, that bargain price, worthless. Titanium Logistics, on time, on budget. Call 905-266-3014. Ask for Blair Downey. This is Daryl Settler for Alt Infinity and Vaughn. Car buying made simple. That's what Alt Infinity is all about. No stress, no hassle, no nonsense. Just fun and easy and rewarding experience that will put you behind the wheel of a fabulous new or used Infinity. Expert sales staff, superior service, and the largest selection in Ontario. And the most competitive pricing anywhere. It's what makes Alt Infinity the captain's choice. Alt Infinity, Woodbridge.com, at the corner of Martin Grove and Highway 7. Striving to inspire you at every turn. From face-offs to playoffs, field goals to own goals, you're listening to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Good morning and welcome back to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour, live from Liberty Village on the new AM740 radio. This morning we are fortunate to have with us Marv Levy, former coach of the Montreal Alouettes, Buffalo Bills, uh, Kansas City Chiefs, one of the most respected football coaches ever, a classy and intelligent gentleman, one, one of the classiest men ever to grace this, the sidelines, articulate and philosophical. Um, it's really a pleasure. Marv, good morning. Good morning, and good to be with you and the fine fans who are listening in. Thanks so much for joining us. Um, 
One of uh, you were you were uh, celebrated, uh, known for uh, for your uh, being articulate in some of your quotes uh, that were called Marvisms, if I'm if I'm not mistaken. One of the Marvisms was, "Where would you rather be rather than right here and right now?" And that's exactly how I feel, Marv. Uh, I'd, there's no other place I'd rather be than what I'm doing right now, talking to you. Well, thank you, and it's my pleasure too. Thank you. Um, taking uh, taking back to the uh, uh, Bills, and uh, uh, you were coached there for four Super Bowl runs, and uh, certainly left a lot of great memories uh, for a lot of Bills fans. And you're talking to two of them on the air right now. Um, one thing I, I noticed, and just in the last couple of weeks, you were you uh, had the uh, uh, privilege of presenting Andre Reid at the uh, Pro Football Hall of Fame. And that wasn't the, that wasn't the first time you did that. You've you've actually done that three times. You've presented to the Hall of Fame three of your former players: Andre Reid, Thurman Thomas, and Jim Kelly. And that just strikes me the tremendous respect that your players must have had for you to uh, uh, ask you to do that for me. I'm actually quite astounded. Well, I tell you, it was a very unique group of young men, a tremendously close knit. Uh, guys of uh, varying, tremendously varying uh, personalities, yes, some extroverts, some more quiet, but all guys of high character. Uh, they cared about each other. They never placed blame on each other. Uh, they were able to tune in to what I was saying. It's because I was tuned in to them, to tell you the truth. So, yes, I was very complimented, very honored to be asked by those three players uh, to be their presenter at the Hall of Fame. And it's amazing how many of their own teammates and so many fans of the Buffalo Bills who were there also in attendance. Marv, uh, the the Bills are for sale, and they're taking uh, bids. You know, they have received bids for uh, for the uh, new ownership. How was Ralph Wilson as an owner? I tell you, he was just magnificent. He was another man, by the way, whose induction into the Hall of Fame I was honored to attend. And so deserved the only owner, of course, of the Buffalo Bills. Um, he was great to work for. He cared about the people who worked for him. Uh, he expected high performance. Um, he he would express strong opinions. He would listen even to contrary opinions from the people in his organization who he developed a a, a respect and regard for. Uh, one example of his tremendous caring about people that worked for him and about the game. Of the four Super Bowls that we went to, Mr. Wilson arranged to take every single person in the organization, over 200 employees, including security guards, ladies that cleaned up at night, took them all to those Super Bowl games, flew them down, got them tickets, uh, took care of their hotel, everything. Uh, it, he, he really exemplified that it was a team operation. It was a we, not an I organization. Marv, describe the Buffalo fans. Uh, I've been to quite a few games, and uh, and uh, I found them absolutely tremendous. What did you think of the fans there? They are great. They are part of the reason for our success. Um, very supportive. They're, they're not a mean-spirited type of fan. There are some, of course, that every now and then are going to get very upset if uh, uh, they've, they've had a swig or two too much <laughs> at the stadium. But uh, they're very supportive fans. Even after that first Super Bowl game that we lost when we came back, there were down in Lafayette Square downtown, there were 
30,000 people to greet and encourage the team. And that did help, I think, inspire the players in that team to realize we're going back to work because these people are part of our organization. The Buffalo Bills in the uh, uh, early 1990s uh, were quite an, an incredible group. Um, are you still close to, uh, I believe, you know, you mentioned it a little bit earlier, obviously you're close there. Are they still, as a team, do they get do they have to get-togethers? Are they all still close to each other? Oh, uh, very much so, very much so. I uh there, there are yearly reunions during Alumni Day back there, and they come back in droves. And many of them, each, every year, there's a, a, a former Buffalo Bill that goes up on the wall of fame in, in, at the, the stadium. And, and so many have been from that group of players, and they all come back to welcome them in for those ceremonies. They were there by I don't know how many, uh, a tremendous number, for the uh, induction of Andre Reed this past year. Uh, uh, they're great fans, and they're not just from Buffalo. It's a Western New York and, and Canadian uh, team. I, I think of about 20%, I once heard, of the uh, attendees at the, at the Buffalo Bills games were from Canada. And uh, they were great fans, too. So it was all part of it. It's an area team, somewhat akin, I think, to what the Green Bay Packers are like. Yeah, we're, we're, we are hearing stuff that Toronto is put a bid on this and my feeling Marv on this is that Toronto really doesn't need an NFL team uh, they, they've got a lot to cheer on with other sports teams and personally I'm from Toronto but I would love, love to see the Buffalo Bills stay in Buffalo what does it mean to Western New York to have the Bills? Oh I think it is tremendously meaningful to them and I, I tend to agree um, you're talking to a man of course who you undoubtedly know was also a a coach in the CFL uh, for a wonderful five-year period, and uh, I, I enjoyed it immensely, and I enjoyed the fans we had there. But I think that th this is my guess. I do not think the NFL wants to do anything which would uh, throw a wrench into the operation of the CFL. Uh, we do have a lot of fans, as I say, from Toronto, Hamilton, and other areas there. And we hope to continue to have them, but I, I'm sure they are also fans of the Argonauts and uh, of the Hamilton Tiger Cats and other Canadian teams as well. Speaking of your time in the CFL, I have to ask you uh, two questions. One, Johnny Rogers. <laughs> um, he came in, he, his line was, he was the ordinary superstar. We thought as kids, when we heard that, he was great. We, we loved to see Johnny Rogers. How good of a football player was he? Oh, Johnny Rogers was a tremendously talented football player. He had a lot of personal problems. He had some attitude problems. He has since overcome them. He now, I understand, is back uh, at the at ne University of Nebraska, where he started in college and uh, is doing a lot counseling young players on how they ought to act. But Johnny was a character, tremendously talented, not very big for a football player, uh, maybe a 170-pounder, maybe 5'9", but uh, what talent he had. And uh, he had a bubbling personality, uh, sometimes uh, directed it too much of himself back in those <laughs> days. But uh, uh, he, he's come around, I understand. I'm very pleased to hear that. The other question I have is the Ice Bowl. Um, I remember watching that great cup game, and I couldn't believe how great you guys were with your footing during that game and how poorly Edmonton was. Do you remember that? Uh, the Ice Bowl, yes, I remember <laughs> It was the uh, 1977 Grey Cup game played in just 
tremendously inclement weather. And, and unbeknownst to me, one of our players, Tony Proudfoot, uh, uh, had asked an electrician about uh, some some staples that they could put into his shoes and did it. And, uh, and I, I guess it helped our traction. We won 41-6. to six. Do I remember the game? I sure do. Remember many of the details of it. I remember the uh, packed stadium, over 70,000 people that day. As, uh, and that was my final game in the uh, CFL. But I remember my time there. And, 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 again, talk about good owners. Sam Berger was a wonderful man to work for. Just uh, want to remind our listeners, we have and we're talking to right now Marv Levy, legendary coach of the Buffalo Bills and Montreal Alouettes, and, uh, for that matter, Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, Marv, in... Uh, Researching, uh, researching you in preparation for this interview, uh, I, I was shocked to learn that, and I had to look at this two or three times, I'm still shocked, so correct me if we're wrong, but you're not actually a member of the Canadian Football Hall of Fame, is that correct? No, I was only there five years, and you know, there are some people who racked up statistics and all. Yeah. No, I am not. <laughs> and, and, and fair enough. I just, I just wanted to confirm that. And uh, Naz and I are a little bit shocked because, you know, we grew up in that era, and uh, you, you certainly left an indelible impression on us, and uh, you went to three great cups in five years and won two of them. And I certainly would have thought that that would have been uh, a qualification for the Canadian Football Hall of Fame, and uh, certainly we may... Uh, we may we may start something. I, I just think that's uh, quite frankly wrong. But uh, I want to move on to something a little bit more positive. Um, in um, you developed something very interesting coaching for the Buffalo Bills, or you implemented something called the K gun, uh, which sort of took the NFL by uh, by surprise and was quite quite successful. Uh, base, you're essentially running a two minute offense during the whole game. Uh, when did you come up with that idea, and, and how did that come about? Well, at the end, we, we were in the, 1989, we were in the playoffs. And um, a playoff game, we had to play a game in Cleveland against the Browns. They dominated most of the game. Going into the final quarter, uh, they were leading by 18 points. Um, and um, in those days, there was no two-point conversion rule yet. Uh, they were leading by uh, 18 points, so... I said to our assistant coaches, "We're not going to wait till the last two minutes. I said, we got to get, we got to get going." So we went to our two-minute drill uh, at the beginning of the fourth quarter. Went down and scored a touchdown. We're now down by 11 uh, with a, maybe eight minutes to play. We got the ball back and took another quote two-minute drill drive down the field. And maybe with uh, four minutes to go, we were we were now down by just uh, four points after we scored a touchdown. And then we got it back with a minute and a half to go. Again, two-minute drill down the field. We went, got down about their five-yard line. One of our fine players, Ronnie Harmon, a terrific player, couldn't hang on to a pass in the end zone that would have won the game for us on the next to last play of the game. And uh, so we, we lost the game, and we're out. We're walking off the field. And I turned to our offensive quarterback, our offensive coordinator, I should say, Ted Marchabroda, who was looking at me, and I could tell something was on his mind, and I said, Ted, what do you say we make that our offense next year? He said, that's exactly what I was thinking, Marv. <laughs> wow. And that's what we did. The next year we started, and it was a, a two-minute two drill style of offense that we played all the time until we got a, or if we got a good, comfortable lead, then we'd slow down and run the clock 
uh, more. Marv, the most remarkable comeback I remember was the Houston Oilers and the Buffalo Bills. I think you guys were down 35-3, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, yeah. And came storming back in the second half with Jim Kelly out and Frank Reich Frank as Reich. the quarterback. Yeah. That well, was an amazing. Playoffs, uh, we were uh, a wild card playoff game. Um, Jim Kelly was injured. He was out. We had lost our final game of the season, by the way, to the Houston Oilers, uh, that, that, which meant we were a wild card instead of a, a division champ. Uh, so we had to play a wild card. Strangely enough, it was again against the Oilers, but this time it was in our home field. Anyway, Jim Kelly was out. Our great running back, Thurman Thomas, was injured and out. Our best linebacker, Cornelius Bennett, by saying best, I, we had other great ones, but a great linebacker. He was out with an injury, and we were just getting blown away, uh, 28 to 3 at halftime. And uh, in the second half, uh, by the way, at halftime, I walked up to Frank Reich and I said, Frank, I understand you led the greatest comeback <laughs> in college football history. Today, you're going to lead the greatest one in pro history. And he's Shook his head and like, oh, yeah, wow. sure. First pass of the second half, he threw a touchdown. But it wasn't to us. It was interception. They brought it back. It's now 35-3. to three. Then, believe it or not, uh, we, we came back during the course of that game, and I won't go through every detail. Finally won it in overtime, 38-35. Uh, 41-38, I'm sorry. 41-38, the greatest comeback in pro football history. And uh, so... Uh, uh, that was history. I'll remember it fondly. Frank Reich has led as a substitute quarterback both times. Greatest comeback in college history, greatest in pro history. Um, uh, on the line with us, once again, Marv Levy, legendary coach of the Buffalo Bills. Marv, I've got to ask you about, uh, uh, obviously, your fate and the fate of Scott, Scott Norwood are inextric- inextricably intertwined. Um, how is Scott doing, and how has he dealt with what would have would have been at the time? I'm sure a major disappointment. Yes, well, as people know we the the Super Bowl game in the 1990 season came down to one final attempt from 47 yards. If we make it, we win the game. If we miss it, the Giants win. Scott kicked the ball fewer than 50 percent are made from that distance. By the way. And it went a couple of feet to the right of the upright. Uh, Giants were world champs, fair and square. Well, sure, it was devastating uh, for for Scott. He was a, a quiet, uh, hardworking man. Uh, he had respect of his teammates. Um, and uh, But the, the way they encouraged him, and even the people of Buffalo, that group that met us down at the airport that cheered and wanted to- Scott to talk, were uplifting. And he went through a period, yes, where he was down. He had to deal with it for years. Oh, the wide right, the wide right. But he's come to grips with it. I've seen him before. He's done, been successful in business areas. A uh, fine young man, respected by his teammates. What people may not realize after that misfield goal is to get to the, the Super Bowl that year. We had to win two of the games on last-second kicks by Scott Norwood. And when we went back the next year, it was Scott Norwood who who made several game-winning uh, kicks, field goal kicks, late in the game. But people don't remember that as well as the uh, wide right. I've done s- doing well now. I've talked to him a few times. Oh, that's good. I've done some reading, and uh, I'm told that uh, you're a Chicago Cubs fan. Is that correct? 
Oh, yeah. I grew up a Chicago Cubs fan. I still live in, moved back to Chicago where all my family was and many friends. So I remain a fan of the Chicago Cubs. I'm still waiting for them to get to the World Series. I've got to ask you, Marv, you're just not uh, a retired football coach. You also developed uh, um, 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 an interest or uh, um, a, a different uh, a different way of meeting uh, meeting people, meeting the public, that you uh, de- developed a career as a motivational speaker. And uh, tell us a little bit about that and uh, what messages do you try to convey in, in, to, to motivate people? Well... Again, it depends on the group that we'd be speaking to. And, and what happened, honestly, uh, when I retired, several speakers agencies got in touch and said there might be uh, opportunities and uh, situations where people are looking for a speaker that you would be the right guy. Are you interested? I said yes. And uh, you get out to meet people. It's fun. Uh, uh, you get a fee. That's pretty good, too. Uh, all of that. And I, I, I geared the message. Uh, pr- pretty much to uh, uh, the audience. You know, sometimes it might be school kids, sometimes it might be business groups, sometimes it might be people just looking for entertainment, a, a group at a, uh, during Super Bowl week or uh, things of that nature. But I, 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 again, I'll try to say uh, this is a tremendous oversimplification, but if I had to give one theme, it would be play hard, play clean, play to win. But win or lose, honor the game. Win or lose, go right back to work. That would be a very oversimplified uh, <laughs> uh, expression of what the, the topic would be. And I've also been doing, believe it or not, uh, uh, a bit of writing. I, I was an English literature major in school, and uh, so I, I wrote a book and was titled what you said, Where Else Would You Rather Be? Something which I said to our players before the kickoff of every game, Where Else Would You Rather Be? Right here, right now. Then uh, about a year and a half ago, I wrote a novel, Between the Lines, Pure Fiction. And believe it or not, I've just completed writing a 210-page book of poetry, which is going to be uh, published sometime around December of this year. Oh, we'd love to promote it on our website for you. No problem there. (laughs) Well, I'll get the information out. (laughs) Thank you. You're welcome, Mark. Uh, can we talk about the current Bills now? Because I'm still a Buffalo fan here. Um, quarterback, E.J. Manuel. Uh, we haven't had, like, talk about Buffalo Bills in the Wii. We haven't had uh, a quarterback since Jim Kelly. Uh, we had Doug Flutie. He did some good things. But at the quarterback position, you had Jim Kelly, who was a tremendous quarterback. What do you think of E.J. Manuel? Uh, all right. I would have to start out by saying I haven't studied it nearly to the degree that I might have uh, back when I was uh, in, in the coaching field. Um, and uh, and I don't want to fake it. Uh, the, the little bit I've seen, I see good signs. Uh, I, I think Doug Marone has come in and is doing a very conscientious job, and uh, I'm favorably impressed. So uh, uh, I guess I'm, I, I'm evading answering really hard and fast, trying to sound like an authority on something that I haven't studied enough to really give you the answer. Fair on. enough. So, uh, I'll wait and see. You probably know more about him than I do. Being <laughs> on there every day. Anyways, we've had uh, we've had on the line Marv Levy, and unfortunately, Marv, our time uh, has come to a conclusion. And uh, just one real quick question, because uh, you sort of stole my thunder. I was going to ask you about your books and your poetry, and 
you you were a master of English history at Harvard, which uh, not so sure how that was uh, 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 getting ready for the NFL, but I'm sure it served you well. Very quickly, what's your favorite novel of all time? Uh, my favorite novel of all time, Great Expectations by Charles Dickens. Dickens. Anyways, Marv. <laughs> and he's my favorite author. Uh, and uh, I'll tell you how much of a favorite he is. I've go- I, we just made a move. When I was unpacking a bookcase, I found an old book, Charles Chuzzle, uh, Martin Chuzzlewit by Charles Dickens, that I'd never read before, and I'm in the midst of reading it right now. <laughs> Fantastic. Marv, we thank you so much for taking the time on a Sunday morning, uh, spend, uh, spend time with us and talking about uh, uh, some things that we have some very, very fond memories of. You're certainly uh, uh, a, a classy and articulate gentleman, and we thank you so much, and we wish you the best in the future. Well, thank you, and thank you for your kind words, and uh, uh, my best wishes to all the fine people there that are listening, too. Thank you. Thanks, Mark. Thank you. Mark, be well. That was uh, Marv Levy, uh, legendary coach of the Buffalo Bills. Uh, uh, we'll be right back after the break with another legend, Tim Raines. It was a rainy day when Peterville asked, how much loyalty is there in the world anymore? Well, about 14 inches, we figure. Introducing Peterville's new loyalty program. After your sixth order, you'll receive a large 14-inch pizza of your choice free with your seventh order. You scratch our back, we feed your face. Find out more at pizzaville.ca. That's pizzaville.ca. At 20,000 square feet, Steel's Paint and Woodbridge is Canada's largest independent paint store. Big deal, right? Big deal? Yes. The best brands, the best staff, the best advice, the best of everything. From color matching to brand selection, whether you're a pro or a DIYer, we'll look after you from the minute you walk in to the minute you walk in a second time as a completely satisfied customer. Big store, big deal, bigger satisfaction. Simple. Steel's Paint. 4190 Steeles Avenue West in Woodbridge. At Titanium Logistics, we believe that choosing the right shipping company comes down to two issues, price and cost. Most prices are competitive, will likely save you money too, but the cost of choosing the wrong company to service your cross-border freight to and from the U.S. and Mexico can be extraordinary. If it's not where it should be, when it should be, that bargain price, worthless. Titanium Logistics, on time, on budget. Call 905-266-3014. Ask for Blair Downey. This is Daryl Settler for Alt Infinity and Bond. Car buying made simple. That's what Alt Infinity is all about. No stress, no hassle, no nonsense. Just fun and easy and rewarding experience that will put you behind the wheel of a fabulous new or used Infinity. Expert sales staff, superior service, and the largest selection in Ontario. And the most competitive pricing anywhere. It's what makes Alt Infinity the captain's choice. Alt Infinity, Woodbridge.com, at the corner of Martin Grove and Highway 7. Striving to inspire you at every turn. There's an old saying, entrepreneurship doesn't build character, it reveals character. Entrepreneurs learn to trust a person by trusting people. The law firm Rigabon Carly understands this. They know all about entrepreneurs because they work for them. Every day, they've earned their trust. They know that when it comes to meeting the legal and business needs of entrepreneurs, good enough is not enough. Rigabon Carly, the intelligent choice. The Naz and Wally Sports Hour is a paid program. Opinions expressed on the show are those of Naz and Wally and their guests. 
You name it, they'll argue about it. No sport left unturned. The boys are back. The Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. And welcome back to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour, live from Liberty Village on the new AM740 uh, radio. Uh, that was certainly a fascinating interview with Marv Levy, one of the football greats of all time. And we're now pleased to talk to one of the baseball greats of all time, The Rock, Tim Raines. Are you there, Tim? Yes, how are you guys doing? We're doing great. Thanks for joining us. A pleasure to have you. Just want to re- uh, tell our listeners we're talking to Tim Raines, uh, former National League batting champ, four-time stolen base leader, seven-time All-Star. Uh, not exaggerating by saying you're one of the great leadoff hitters of all time. And uh, played the game, I guess, when speed was perhaps a little bit more important in the game than it is today. Is that a fair statement, Tim? I would say it's pretty fair. You don't really see, uh, you know, the totals of stolen base numbers uh, up the way they used to be back in the day. Uh, Tim, uh, Montreal. There's talk about a uh, team coming back there, either Tampa Bay or one of the struggling franchises in baseball. Do you think Montreal could support a team going back there again? I think so. I think, you know, I think if you bring someone in that uh, is competing for a championship, I mean, it's no different than any other, uh, other city that has a major league franchise. I mean, when I was there during the, during the early 80s and even through the 90s. I mean, that team was supported uh, as well as any team in Major League Baseball. So uh, I think what happened when they when they started uh, getting rid of all the, the great players that was coming through there, I think, you know, I'm, it will be the same in any place. You know, when you start getting rid of everyone and, and you're not trying to win, you know, fans don't want to be a part of that. Um, on the line with us, Tim Raines, uh, former Montreal Expo, uh, Chicago White Sox, uh, uh, New York Yankee, um, and uh, is with us this morning. Thanks for being with us, Tim. Um, you're not in the Hall of Fame. You've been on the ballot a few times. You've actually hit over 50%. I believe you got as high as 52%. And if I'm not mistaken, everybody who's been over 50%, uh, the vast majority, have gotten into the Hall um, does it bother you that you're not in the Hall of Fame? Well, it doesn't bother me. Uh, it's interesting. You know, I think, uh, you know, I don't look at it as, you know, I'm upset because they hadn't had let me in yet. You know, I look at situations like Andre Dawson. It took him about 13 years to get in. Uh, a few other guys, it took a while to get in. So, you know, I, I, I feel like I still have a chance. And like you said, you know, um, the majority of the guys that have got over 50% have gotten in. So I, I, I look at it like that, and hopefully one day that'll happen. Well, I, so- I've compared your numbers to uh, Lou Brock and uh, Ricky Henderson. With Ricky Henderson, uh, they're very close. Uh, Lou Brock, your numbers are better than his in most categories. And uh, Lou Brock was the first uh, ballot Hall of Famer. Now, uh, people don't know this, but you are... Um, you are an 85% success rate stealing bases. That's the highest by far in baseball with uh, compared to people that uh, were base stealers. What, why is it so high, and how, why are you so good at it? Well, 
I think, you know, one, I, mean, I had the speed, I had the quickness to be able to um, to uh, steal bases. But, you know, I really studied. I studied pitchers. I studied catchers. I studied movement. I mean, I studied just about everything you can study on uh, watching games and watching pitchers' movements, uh, even watching how pitchers set up. I mean, there are certain times when they, they, they set up different for a fastball than when they set up for, for a breaking ball. Um, I study that. I, I, you know, I didn't do it alone, but, I mean, you know, our coaching staff and uh, our scouts uh, really uh, let me know just about every pitcher in the major leagues uh, what tendencies they, they had. And, um, you know, before they went to the mound, I knew what they were going to do. So, you know, taking that into account, knowing, you know, what they're doing, knowing the catchers, knowing the catchers' time, knowing the pitchers' time from – from the mound to home, uh, the catcher's time from from home to second. Uh, you know, there was there was a situation where if they were over, you know, three five or something like that, I had a chance to steal the base, and and I pretty much know all those guys that were, that were at that figure. And there were other times where if they were a little, you know, a little um, quicker than that, then uh, I felt like you know maybe I could get a bigger lead and and uh, you know, if I knew I got a good jump, there was no way they were going to throw me out. So, you know, I uh, and, and I was I was I wasn't cocky, I was confident and uh, and aggressive, and I think that's what you need to, to do to be a successful base dealer. Now, your current role is with the Toronto Blue Jays as a uh, base stealing instructor and an outfield instructor. Uh, describe that uh, that position a bit. Well, what I do is I I, um, I, I work with the minor league system. And uh, I go to every affiliate uh, at least three to four times a year. I go in there for four or five days. I try to I try to go in at the, on their at their home uh, field so I get a little time before games and, and get a little work in. But I go in. I work with the outfielders for you know fifteen to twenty minutes uh, before games or before they they take batting practice. And uh, we go over a lot of you know outfield work. You know, try to do all the things that they need to do out there to prepare them for a game. And as far as the um, the base dealers, you know, I work with them as well. I work with their feet work. I try to work with their timing. I try to work with, um, you know, try to get them quick as far as off the um, off of the pitcher. And uh, it's just a few things that I can, can teach them that they certainly doesn't know about, uh, you know, stealing bases. And... Uh, you know, so far it's worked out. The guys that can run well, they're they're doing well. We don't have that much speed in the organization, but uh, the guys that do have speed, uh, I have those guys running pretty well. Uh, Tim, um, in in the 1980s, you and you and Ricky Henderson were the the two greatest leadoff hitters in baseball. Obviously, you were in the National League, and Ricky was in the American League, and. Uh, yeah, back in those days, that uh, and certainly it was incredibly exciting watching both of you guys play baseball. Um, did you consider yourself in some sort of a competition with Ricky? Did uh, were you guys friends? Did uh, were you competitive with each other? Did you feel the competition between you? Not at all. Not at all. I mean, I uh, I, I played I played for my team. You know, I played uh, I played the game the way it was supposed to be played. You know, I didn't uh, didn't rub anything in. I wasn't, you know, and I think that was the difference between me and Ricky. Ricky was a guy that I think he was he was going for a record. He wanted to be the best 
uh, at all time at, at stealing bases. You know, I never looked at it that way. I looked at uh, every every chance I got to steal a base. It was an opportunity to help my team win. It wasn't so much for me. Uh, so, you know, that was the difference. I think as far as, you know, skill set, we were pretty close. I think the difference between myself and Ricky was he was, he was more – intrigued about being the best of all time as far as total baseball. That about. came out. I, I didn't really look at it that way. Who, who in today's who in today's uh, baseball reminds you of Tim Raines? Who's got a skill set similar to yours? Wow. <laughs> um, that's a tough question. It's not, you know, I think today's baseball, there's not that many leadoff hitters uh, in baseball. Um, you know, I think most teams are going for guys that uh, aren't particularly uh, leadoff guys. They're more of, you know, guys that maybe just get on base and maybe had a little more pop in their back to hit the ball out of the ballpark. Um, maybe the guy from um, the guy from um, Houston, uh, the little the little second baseman. Oh wow! Yeah, I, I can't. Yeah, he'd be, he'd be, he, well, I don't think he's close to you, though, Tim. Yeah. You're a one-of-a-kind uh, type of just, player. Just, just to try and answer that question just, I think, tells you how much baseball has changed in, in the last it, 25 it years. And, and, and like I said, I mean, there's, there's, there's really not many true leadoff guys in, in, in the major leagues right now, so it's, it's kind of tough to answer that question when you, when you ask me that. I have to get to you for one question. Uh, I'll make a comment. Uh, your fielding, your fielding percentage was nine eighty eight. That's awesome. That's an incredible percentage as a fielder. Anthony goes. How much can he develop, and can he develop into something close to what you were like? I, I, I think he could be close. I think the difference is, you know, his offense. You know, he's, uh, he has trouble hitting breaking balls, and the major league pitchers know that, so they try to throw as many breaking balls as they can to him. Uh, but as far as, you know, skill set in the outfield, he's, he's a way better outfielder than I was. He has a, has a way stronger arm than I have. I think he has the speed to, uh, to compare to me, but I think the difference is, is the offense. I think, um, you know, he has to, he has to work on uh, his hitting a little bit. More, be a little more consistent, not strike out as much, and maybe uh, take a few more walks. You know, I think that's that's another thing in pro baseball today. There's not many, you know, leadoff guys that hit walks and, and, and drive in runs as well as, you know, get on base and steal bases and score runs. So, I mean, that's, that's uh, really been a big difference. Anyways, Tim, uh, it's been a pleasure having you on. Our, our, our time, once again, has come short. We, we thank you so much for coming. Uh, I can certainly tell you if Naz and Wally had a vote, uh, we'd certainly vote you to the Baseball Hall of Fame. And we do want to point out that you are a member of the Canadian Baseball Hall of Fame. And I do know that that does mean a lot to you, and it's certainly a well-deserved award. And hopefully uh, the deserved award, the admission to the Baseball Hall of Fame in Cooperstown is in your near future. We wish you the very best. Tim, you'll get there. Don't worry, buddy. All right. Thanks a lot, guys. I really appreciate your support, and uh, thanks for having me on. It's our pleasure. Thank you, Tim. That was Tim Raines, uh, 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 former Montreal Expo and uh, certainly one of the greatest uh, leadoff hitters of all time. 
Uh, it was a pleasure having him on the air. The Naz and Wally Sports Hour, as uh, for our regular listeners know, we do uh, support uh, good causes, and there's a good cause I just want to mention on the radio this morning. I played in a golf tournament on Friday uh, at the Toronto West Golf Day at Copper Creek in support of vascular research. Uh, it's um, uh, some great doctors at Sunnybrook Hospital, Dr. Robert Magisano, Andrew Duick, and Giuseppe Papia of the, are passionate in working towards building the only vascular and diabetic limb-saving center in Canada. Uh, we don't have one. They're all over Europe and the United States. These fine doctors at Sunnybrook are trying to bring one to Canada. Uh, I'm certainly supporting them, and I hope everyone else does. Uh, keep, keep up your good work, and, uh, and uh, good luck in, in your efforts to uh, bring this important uh, research facility to Sunnybrook Hospital. Naz, it's time for our golf wisdom segment. Uh, Sean Clement, uh, we missed him last week. He was sojourning in Boston. Um, uh, Sean Clement, uh, you can find him at www.wisdomingolf.com, one of the great Internet golf teachers, th- over 310 videos on YouTube, some great material. Uh, you can find him at the Richmond Hill Golf Learning Center. If you want some personal lessons, I highly recommend him. And we're pleased once again to have him here on Sunday morning so he can help out our listeners with their golf game. Sean, are you with us? I'm with you guys. The sun is finally shining again, and it's a wonderful morning. Anyways, fantastic to have you. And uh, golf uh, tips. Let's let's talk about uh, uh, how golfers can improve their game. And too often, uh, golfers are getting tips from the wrong places, and how does that uh, impact uh, somebody's golf game, Sean? Well, it's, um, you know, unsolicited advice. It's, uh, it's a really, you know, it's a really touchy subject. Um, everybody tries to help the best they can, and, and they basically usually repeat the stuff that they hear uh, in mainstream golf. And, you know, you go up and down any driving range or get into any group on the golf course, uh, and you're matched up with a couple of other guys, you're going to hear a lot of people saying, keep your head down. And it's, um, it's, a, it's really unbelievable how widespread that is and how damaging it is to somebody's game. Uh, keeping the head down is really going to uh, impede your ability to swing your, your, your golf club and uh, your, your, your body is going to freeze up and your arms are not going to have anywhere to go and it's really going to dwarf the golf swing. Um, and it and it really leads to um, to a lot of bad swing habits. Like um, the, as you're trying to finish your backswing, so that you can get a little bit of whip going on in, in the swing, a little bit of club head speed. Uh, inevitably, the head has to dip downwards, and then your legs have to support that head dipping forward. And then all of a sudden, your leg work is discombobulated. It, it leads to a lot of bad stuff. And. Uh, uh... Golfers are always good at giving tips to other golfers unsolicited. And yeah. if some, somebody hits a couple of bad shots on a golf course, it's always, you know, keep your left arm straight, cock your wrists, turn your right foot out, uh, yes. the, you know, uh, uh, tighten up oh, yeah, your and, hips. And the, pre- the pretzel maker is keep your left <laughs> arm straight and keep your head down. <laughs> that'll, that'll turn your body into a real pretzel. And if, uh, if somebody really wants a, a tip... Uh, or it, and perhaps that's not even the right way of going about improving your golf game. 
Um, but if somebody wants some advice, uh, what should they be doing? Well, n- number one, I mean, resist good the advice. Urge, yeah, resist the urge to, to, t- to tell anything to anyone if they miss a shot on the golf course because every swing you make starts from scratch upstairs in your mind. And if you play golf a little bit, you know what a good shot feels like. You know what a good shot sounds like, and and your 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 brain really understands it. So if it misses a shot, usually you really feel what was missing, and uh, and then all you have to do is is reset yourself to a target and and hit and go ahead and swing to your target. Most of the time, that's going to work in itself, and then you get your confidence back, and you start hit you start playing well again. But if you do see some somebody uh, struggling on the course with contact with the ball and they're not getting the ball in the air and something basic like that, just remind them that the golf club is a grass-cutting tool and just allow the, the club to cut through the grass towards the target. If the sole of the club cuts the grass, the ball will meet the club face and go into the air, and then they'll get their contact back. Anyway, Sean... Otherwise, otherwise refer them to my videos. <laughs> and that, I was the best just going to make that point. I said, anybody wants a tip, uh, don't listen to what uh, people are telling you in between shots on a golf course... Get on the internet, go to YouTube, Sean Clement, go to www.wisdomandgolf.com or yeah. call Sean at the Richmond Hill Learning Center. Sean, yep. thanks so much again for this Sunday. Uh, appreciate talking golf again. Uh, have a fabulous week. You guys too. Thank you. Anyways, that was, that was Sean Clement, Wisdom and Golf, in the few minutes we have available. Toronto FC, Lewicki's left. Uh, where's uh, tough game for TFC last night, Mark? Give us, give us a recap. Well, um, it's a continuing problem uh, that Ryan Nelson's Toronto FC is a team that looks like they're poised to come away with points with a victory, and in the late going, they're still vulnerable. They still, um, they last night Chicago, which is not a team in in playoff contention, um, came from behind uh, twice to tie up Toronto at home, and and this is their vulnerability. There's still time. Um, I know our listeners are perhaps better acquainted with Canadian football, and the the Toronto soccer team is very similar in the structure in that the the season will end at the end of October and the playoffs will be in November. But it's always a home-and-home series, and Toronto does not look strong at home. We touched about this very very briefly earlier in the hour about the Lewicki leaving and of course most people are just are worried about the the Leafs and the Raptors because they're the, the big teams in town uh, but TFC fans got to be a little bit nervous about this because he 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 turned that team around in in a very uh, quick period of time and of course he had the history with the LA Galaxy he seemed to have a genuine interest in soccer and I doubt very much that the person who comes in after Lewicki is going to have the same interest the two superstars Michael Bradley and Jermaine Defoe Jermaine Defoe is back in last night's game after a few weeks of injury. Um, you could tell that he was a bit rusty. Michael Bradley, um, I don't think that he dominated the game the way you would expect a superstar to to dominate a game. He was a good mid- midfielder last night, along with three other good midfielders, but he doesn't show up as our star. Yeah, they did not play well last night. They were lucky to tie, really. The the game was 2-2, but uh, Chicago should have won the game. Yeah, and as you had mentioned in the second half, uh, Toronto just stopped 
stop shooting, stop putting offensive pressure. The one shot they had on net, they scored, and there was there was hope and glee. But still, um, we we should have owned Chicago. And that was a beautiful run on the goal, though, that Toronto did score. It was quite... Uh, well, quite Gilberto good. certainly impressed last night. That's the I, probably his most impressive uh, goal from him this year. That's his first goal scored in Toronto. In all, Toronto all of his okay. previous goals were on the road. I think it's now four games in a row that he scored. So it was quite delightful to see him score in Toronto. Um, apparently he's he's uh, he's been playing very well. He's uh, He's been a good teammate, good setup man. Uh, has been uh, dominate not, not so much dominating, but attracting a lot of attention, and uh, has been has been a bit of a force, notwithstanding the fact that he hasn't been scoring. If you watch the highlight of his goal uh, last night, it looked like he had lost his balance, and I'd say Gilberto a month ago would have fallen down and looked <laughs> looked to the ref for help, but he quickly regained his balance, stayed on side, and just turned on the Jets. He was he. It was a great moment. Too bad we didn't have more of them. And very quickly, uh, we're in the in the stretch for TFC. Where, uh, what's your prediction and how far they're going to go in the in the postseason? They have two games in hand. They're they're nine points behind uh, in third place. I think they're going to go far. Anyways, thanks, and we'll certainly keep an eye on TFC. We're in the stretch run. NFL's heating up. NCAA football starts next week. A lot of things to talk about next Sunday on the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. Have a great week, everyone. We'll talk to you again next Sunday morning at 9 a.m. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.